Well, hello, digital marketers. Welcome to the one-on-one -on -one podcast, another episode. I'm Chris Wood, Associate Editor of DMN, here today with Moti Cohen, who is the founder and CEO of Apester. Welcome to the one-on-one. -on -one. Pleasure to be here. And uh, we have uh, previously defined Apester as uh, a plug-and-play solution for interactive content that allows creators to build and distribute engaging content over mobile formats. Um, I'm sure we can get into a little bit more about uh, what Apester is doing. I'm interested also in your uh, background, mm -hmm. um, if you know how you kind of came into this space. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, My so pleasure. I can say about myself, it was, uh, you know, I can, I can, I would say that I was always entrepreneur. Uh, started a business, my first business at the age of 16. Uh, sold it after a couple, two years. Nice outcome, no taxes. I was a kid, so it was a fun experience. So it's always, I always No to all our younger listeners. Yeah, no, no, it's actually a good one. I think, you know, it's an experience where you don't think about too much about the out outcome, more about the excitement of doing stuff as a kid something that I felt um, gave me the drive to continue on the same path in a way. So um, for me, I, I would say it's never been a question of what I'm going to do. Mostly uh, what I'm doing, but not necessarily mm -hmm. if I'm going to be, I don't know. I'm just going to do stuff by myself, trying to make them happen, create and enjoy, and hopefully make some, some, some good outcome out of it, from impact to, to obviously success. So as a teenager, you had an idea and you wanted to see if you could do it. Yeah. Simply is that. Yeah, you get the idea. Did you have any like mentors or anything? So at the beginning, it wasn't uh, obviously. As a teen, I didn't have mentors. Uh, it was more kind of uh, trial and error, and, and and like many things in life, when you succeed, you do not necessarily understand what happened, but you, when you fail, you have the lessons. You know, sure. the lessons are in the failures. So. Uh, um, just by iterating and, and from, I'm coming from Israel, so the Israeli mentality is always in pushing forward, try, try, try. Don't, don't blame yourself too much if you don't succeed. Uh, ask the right question, try to be humble while learning from, from the mistakes and, and, and continue forward. So for me, it was more of a, a natural behavior that I just pursued. It sounds like if you were selling something at that age, then it wasn't just failure. No, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, uh, to be honest, it was actually a very good success compared to the, to the age I was. The failure came afterwards. To be, like the failure came at the age of 21 when I started my second business. I, I, I tried to you know jump bigger, stronger, and then I was I think maybe a little bit arrogant because of the success that came very early. Uh, I didn't have a, a, enough of. Uh, of, I would say, uh, lessons in place to, to get me more uh, uh, um, thoughtful about what I'm doing, how I do it. I just, again, from the same place, I have the, the, the crave, the need to do something, to create something, uh, to do it by myself and just move forward. And I did more mistakes, <laughs> I would say, like this. And, uh, and I think after, after, uh, you know, after this, this part of my life, uh, it was my first time that I actually understood better what it means to be an entrepreneur, what it means to, uh, to, to try to do something, to build uh, idea. You know, software was always something that I, I felt, you know, I, I played games as a kid. And like many, many people that went to software eventually in engineering started by saying, hey, I love to play games. I want to create a game. We don't understand exactly how it works, but, you know, that's the, the first thing that drives me to, to explore this world. And... Um, and, and actually, I got very fascinated from the dynamics of building games, not necessarily the software side. 
meaning the game theory of it, the game dynamics, the psychological, behavioral elements of, of, of everything you're building out of it. And that, uh, that's something that, that kind of stayed with me until today. Um, well, I mean, you are in kind of like the publishing space mm-hmm. a little bit, right? With yeah. like video game publishers? Yeah, we're working with uh, video games publishers. Uh, we're working with publishers across multiple places. I think we're working with creators in general, content creators. Obviously, publishers are the biggest content creators, or more the, the common, the ones that are creating on everyday basis. So uh, uh, to have the, in a way for me, it was a privilege to have the opportunity to work with the, the pop culture creators that speaks about the topics that I like. With my technology, it was awesome. So how did then this phase come about, the idea behind Apester? And I didn't get to ask you before, uh, where did the name come from? All right, so uh, the name is a combination of, uh, of uh, an ape and hipster. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's an apester. And the reason is behind it is uh, I, <laughs> I think uh, we are as a creature taking ourselves a little bit too serious, to be honest. I always thought on a branding level you don't need to say uh, or you don't need to uh, to brand something that explicitly uh, again my my taste to speaks about explicitly what you do but trying to create a brand that have some values so the values behind apester is that we are well cool we are uh, you know we, we but we don't take ourselves too serious so that's your kind of brand idea mm-hmm. and uh, or brand value i guess um in the space and then hopefully this rubs off a little bit with in the publishing space with mm-hmm. brands interacting with Consumers in a not too serious way. Yeah, I think uh, it's actually a good, a good uh, payway. I think uh, on that one uh, for us, we knew that the future, or let's say uh, we pictured the future of of communication between brands, uh, marketeers, and consumers in a less kind of um, strict environment in many ways. Much okay. more, much more conversational. Much more based on value that I can get out of your, or out of, as a consumer, out of a communica- communicating with brand um, and, and consuming content that comes from brand. Today is more common, and I think moving forward it will be even more than that. Eventually, creators are coming from both sides, from the publishers, uh, who speaks about topics every day, different topics, and also from brands. Brands obviously have more. You know what? Both of the sides have the same aspiration at the end of the day, to get attention and make money out of it. Some of them have more, you know, uh, deeper thought about what the topic they speak about as the publishers, but let's be honest, the, the majority are not uh, there, or, or uh, most of them are trying to, to get as much attention as possible when they write content. And I think brands uh, obviously do the same thing for selling their products and services. So they're trying to find a way that they com- can communicate with consumers, to, to generate content that's going to be valuable for consumers, eventually to, to get the consumer more attached to the brand and buy their products. And it's okay, nothing wrong with that. It's actually the fact that they're putting it out up front make it more genuine. What I hear about younger consumers, so-called Gen Z, they're very much aware already that those are the terms, in a sense. I they're think cool it, with it. Uh, they're cool with that because it's uh, it's less uh, bullshit. Let's be honest. Right? Less trying to disguise or. Uh, I think the best content marketing, maybe ever, was Lego film. Okay, so Lego is brilliant. It's a beautiful, amazing piece of content that speaks about a product that 
eventually you want to sell. But wait a minute, that's a movie. That's not an ad. It's not an ad. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's, that's a question. <laughs> it's, a, it's the best ad ever. That the, the people are paying to, to watch. Seriously. This is, and this is, you know, the, let's see how, how you can really make it when you take in again, one step back. Don't take yourself too much serious. Think about the value you want to generate. Create a good piece of content around your brand and, and, and be transparent. This is who I am. I'm going to sell you Lego for the, in the next two hours. You're going to love it, watch it, and buy my product afterwards. You're going to invest a lot of money into the budget for making that kind of a premium content. Mm -hmm. So not every brand can do that. And that doesn't necessarily seem to be the way of the future, although... I think it's not the way of the future, but you know what? The values could be common. Let's, let me explain. I think you don't need to be necessarily a, a, a production house investing millions or tens of millions in producing a high-quality piece of content. But you can have the same, let's say, uh, um, uh, approach to what you do. Even if you do it in a low budget, if you do it on a day-by-day -day side, you just need to think of, of, okay, how can I create content around my brand? It makes sense for my consumers to, to consume because they're going to enjoy it. They're going to like it. They're going to get entertained. They're going to get value out of it outside of my, my product. And, they, and it will be recognized with my product as well. I don't even need to disguise it too much. I just need to give value. And value could be different. It could be informative. It's a wide spectrum. Exactly. It's a, I, it's a huge one. I think, I mean, my point is just that, like, there's a lot of premium content that's still being made. There's still movies that are being released, mm -hmm. and maybe they're on streaming, or maybe they're on a different kind of channel. Uh, but they're also sometimes on the big screen still, too. But let's say, even if it's not necessary, ab yeah, absolutely, first of all, I agree with you, and they're probably going to continue push, and we might going to see out more Lego-style thing. It's definitely not going to be the common, or in, 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 I'm not sure they're going to have the same level of success as well, because, again, it was brilliant piece of Ed, <laughs> but uh, but I think even if you again if you if you believe that the content you can generate can actually provide value to the consumers and not just sell product and try to sell product, but do it more on a subtle way, it could be in articles you can generate, it could be an uh, ads that you can create. You can do a lot of things today, not necessarily just investing a lot of money in high production videos that goes to you know to the cinema. Many ways, today more than ever, there are so many different mediums out there right. that you can create content for. Uh, and you can package it. And, and you know, part of my thesis is how, not just the content you create, but how you package it as well. Apester is all about how you're packaging your content. How you're packaging the content of ads? Or again, again yeah, I, love, I love the fact. I, I know, I love the fact that you, you're trying to catch me and say the distinction. I don't think there is. As distinct, distinguish between the two. I think a piece of content that comes from a brand is an ad and a content at the same time. Kind of uh, to my geek side, it's, uh, think about like a particle and a wave at the same time from quantum mechanics. All right, sure, yeah. The same thing. They are eventually the same thing. Um, so, and then on one side you have big budget, on the other side of the spectrum we just covered is. Uh, you know, either low budget, but it has to have the right kind of like spirit or ethos to it. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> also, you mentioned being more conversational. So, uh, in what ways are are 
are things kind of like taking the bar down, being a little bit more personable, being more conversational? Um, it, is it is it also more interactive? Yeah. So obviously, I'm I'm biased here because this is my this is Apester. Apester is all about providing tools to create content and package it in an interactive way. Uh, that the consumer can uh, actually take a part. I was just going to say, so like a conversation is interactive by by its nature. Yes, uh, you know, no one loves, or oh, I would say, no one appreciates when somebody just preach to them. No one, and it doesn't matter what what is the, the topic about. People are love to participate. They want to be part of, and it doesn't matter what it is. They want to be part of it. Um, definitely, if they if it's a topic that they care about. Uh, so the the natural behavioral participation make the conversation or the entire let's say um, uh, uh, um, moment between the, the the brand and the consumer or the publisher and the consumer much more effective. Just because our psychology, we love to participate as as creatures, and when we participate, different parts of our brain operates, and by that means that the effect. Of the participation will be much better. What about? I guess I'm thinking of like emerging technologies and the way the direction is going for um, for other advertisers and the use of data to make things personal, personal personalization. Mm -hmm. How important is that in kind of the mechanics of the interaction, or are there other? Um, factors in play. There are other factors, but I think it's a very important one. And the reason it's a very important one because we're already kind of accustomed to this experience in social networks. Uh, sure. Know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever, or mm -hmm. Netflix. Each one of them already kind of made us addicted to the fact that uh, uh, we give our information by interacting and it gets back to us with more personalized experience. So uh, it's becoming already kind of a cycle that feeds itself. And consumers, even if they're not saying that, expecting that. Um, so uh, the use of da data, and I think as part of, of, the, uh, of, if I think moving forward, uh, producing content that is utilizing uh, uh, data in order to be more personal will be most likely more effective. Because then, again, the audience kind of, is aware of that exchange. Yeah. So they're definitely cool the young ones. Yes, yeah. definitely the, again, it's already, I think, to try to, to change or uh, to change time or get back to a place which uh, we have our privacy is, is this one is already, you know, this train has already left the station a while ago. Uh, maybe we didn't, you know, it wasn't, we weren't aware when it happened. At the time. At the time. But now, on the retro perspective, we understand clearly what it means. And you can actually see it with GDPR compliance and all the new okay. data compliance. It's, uh, it's funny uh, because consumers in many ways uh, knows that this is more of, of, I'm sorry for the language, more of a covering us uh, element than actually protection. Because eventually a consumer gets to a website, click on the consent without reading anything, without changing the preferences. It it's just too long anyway to read. And then, and, and you already know that, uh, that it's not going to be changed because I already gave up my privacy to Facebook, or Google, to any others. So obviously there are people that cares about it. I'm not like saying all of them, but the majority of the consumers put it in weight system and say, ah, do I need now to read and, and change my preference on every article I go? 
or are just going to click okay, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. The majority go okay, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. I suspect that from a brand standpoint, if a lot of consumers weren't cool with it, it would be uh, a huge risk for the brand. I think, like anything in life, they would probably adapt eventually. But uh, but I don't see consumers going back. No way. Actually, the the other way around. Not because you know consumers don't want to be private or they don't care about their privacy. They too um, custom to get free stuff for their privacy, and they're eventually they, you need to pay if you want to be more to you know stay privacy. It's it's a matter of uh, changing so many different business models now globally from Google to social networks and others and, uh, and, and, and I don't, I'm not that optimistic that it's going to happen, let's say it like this. I have a history teacher back in high school who said you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good one. Um, to just kind of pivot a little bit about kind of the, the, the character of the content, okay? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned more conversational. What about this other trend that's um, taking root in terms of a story, right? So how is a story different from a conversation or part of a conversation? What does that mean in terms of like uh, different kinds of, because you mentioned like social media and how much advertising, not advertising, engagement mm -hmm. content mm -hmm. is across social media platforms. So just, so what is this story layer? No, and just to go like, they are advertising, but it's, it's some of them are good piece of content as well. That's right. maybe the, the right way to phrase it. Uh, I think this, so let's, let's, uh, let me try to divide them too, because eventually um, they work together as well, as I see it. And okay. this is exactly how we do it in Apester as well. The format, the story format is, uh, is the, I would say the, the child of uh, the, the true child of the mobile device, if you think about it, from a media standpoint. This is uh, born in mobile, uh, full screen, uh, very uh, kind of, you control the narrative, the, the speed that you can, you know, that you can consume it, you can change, you can uh, jump in with, between slides and getting towards the place you wanna, uh, you wanna stay on. So uh, uh, the natural kind of behavioral of consumers in the mobile device created uh, um, Snapchat was pioneered, but with with this format, uh, made a success because it it just clicked. It's fit to the way that consumers behave, and, and not just that, to their expectations as well. To control, to move fast, to have everything visual, uh, to, to to make sure that they can jump between stuff, uh, and it was uh, and that's why it was a huge success. And I think the nature of of interactive elements that you can add to it. And you see today Instagram is doing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And Apester, we, we've done that in Apester before even Instagram started by allowing you to create you know, uh, stories with Apester to for the web and, and, and add interactive elements to them and, and make the, the combination of the format, of the packaging, of visual, uh, of full screen mobile with the control of the user's uh, pace, I would say, uh, with the option to participate as well. Participate in every slide, every narrative. Uh, um, and the participation can be different. Uh, it can be from just by uh, by voting for something, by uh, by uh, um, uh, leaving your own comment on stuff, uh, by looking at others, what others said about the same, let's say, topic or the same slide inside the narrative of a, of a bigger story. Uh, so, eventually, story as I see it, 
is uh, is, is just the, the the more natural packaging of content to the mobile, not just device, but also uh, natural behavior of consumers as well. And certainly, there's nothing there that you're describing that isn't, you know, um, native to social media mm-hmm. and and the mobile device. I think social eventually social media pioneered that that experience. Uh, it started born in social media, and then now it just makes sense that it will be kind of captured to other places as well, because you know the fact that is it was it's great for. Uh, social from UGC, from user-generated side, or to right. content that comes from brands and marketeers and, and, and publishers uh, towards now being, let's say, adopted in other platforms and other places, it just makes sense because it, it, this is how consumers expect it to get engaged today and, and consume content and participate in content. I mean, I'm not a huge gamer, but I just remember from like all the Sim uh, games mm-hmm. back, uh, way back, you know, nineties. <laughs> yeah. I, I I wasn't even a teenager. I was just a baby, but I remember. Um, and you know, I mean, doing a lot of those social things, you know, that then uh, social media kind of took over. Yeah, I think again, social media obviously took with a, with a, with a one promise and end up with another one. Let's uh, let's be honest and fair here. It, it started by connecting people very easily, made a lot of sense. Uh, they gamified it. They gamified it to make it more addictive, uh, because eventually their economy is based on your the time you spend there. Yep. Simple as that. The more yep. time, the more content you consume, the more money they make, uh, and that that created a, a, a race almost to try to find the technology solutions, the packaging solution, the, ex- the right experience, the right mixture that make you as a consumer stay more and, and share more and, and, and more frequently. Now we're starting to see the consequences of these activities uh, on, on, on society, <laughs> if you think about it. But, uh, but I think um, you can capture many of those elements and use them in an efficient way outside of the social network, and that just needs different activities that you what would like to 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 pursue as a as a, as a publisher as a brand, and, and 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 like you said before, it's already once the the, the how you say that the toothbrush the, the, the toothpaste is out, toothpaste is out. <laughs> it now, can't go back it, in. It can't, and consumers are already uh, accustomed to it, so it makes sense to capture those mechanic and elements. For uh, uh, I love to call it to reclaim their audience. You know, publishers need to reclaim their audience. Uh, so give them the tools to do that. Uh, in many ways, to fight the fight with the same tools of the, uh, let's say, enemy. Today it's an enemy. Just to be a friend, a partner. But uh, I think the publishing industry realized that now um, uh, social networks, Facebook and Google and, and you know, and Instagram and Snapchat, uh, took all their their budgets out. And, and not necessarily um, created a more fair, balanced ecosystem. So uh, in order to capture some of it back, you need to not just create content, which is relevant and good, but you need to use the same technology and mechanic to be more in- interesting and attractive. To, to somehow do it without social media? No, not necessarily without. Like, uh, uh, do it in their own place as well. Like. 
they, there's no way that they can again suddenly be outside of Facebook and or Instagram, Snapchat, all this. Not places. realistic. Not realistic because the audience is there. So you need to get there. You need to participate. You need to be part of it. But I think uh, it was uh, you know we saw in the last let's say seven eight years. Uh, a lot of investment on those channels and then a kind of realization that it's not their home and as a publisher or even as a brand or as a brand uh, as a brand exactly publisher or a brand of creating content they realize that they cannot invest so much in trying to build communities in those social networks uh, uh, because eventually they don't control it so they need to continue invest there to get to audience and, and get their message out but they need I think even more to invest in their own properties. And do you see the intent on brand side to work directly with publishers outside of... I think directly with publishers outside of social, and not just that, I think on their own and operated as well and have more access to create experiences that, uh, that make sense for consumers to, to, to consume. Because then if you're creating an ad, okay, like a content piece that you can distribute across multiple places, mm -hmm. social, uh, publishing, Google network, uh, you you need to capture the attention of the consumer and lead them towards something, either to your website or to your physical store, to uh, something that you need to lead them towards something, or even just uh, to to plant an idea that you want to uh, nurture and eventually sure. uh, you know achieve the goals you 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 you, you plan as as a marketeer. Um, and I think the, the, the story is important, but again, to the packaging is, is as equally important as the story. And it's important for the brands and the publishers to have control of that packaging or to take some responsibility. I think it's not, I think it's not just important. I think it's, it's, uh, if they're not going to do it, they're, they're, they're going to die. As simply as that. They, uh, because they, it's, you need to have the balance between the distribution channels which is social network became the distribution channels, the, yeah, uh, and your uh, eventually your your powerhouse. I, I don't know even how to phrase it. Your, your home. Uh, you need to have your own uh, place as a brand, as a publisher, as a marketer that you invest that have the the, the values of your brand that uh, um, that resonates towards consumers. And use the social as distribution and get them to your place and try to make a meaningful experience that converts to business eventually. Well, thank you for laying out that uh, kind of roadmap there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen to this and then try to figure out how to build your own home yeah. as a yeah. publisher or content I, creator. I think they are, they, they, uh, today they have more understanding that they must do that. And it means that they now need to invest in content and experience and product and packaging and use, utilize data and utilize the advancement that happened in social network and find solutions like ours or others to do that in order to make sure that you can, you can, you can fight this fight. I think for so long, marketers get um, focused on a certain concept or idea that they think will vanish. Like content yeah that's funny yeah it, it, it's, it's funny because the, the, when you look at the numbers it's the opposite like content's not just vanishing is is everywhere growing in a staggering pace year after year the amount uh, uh, the consumer and again it's it's a, it's a natural 
uh, outcome of the behavior of consumers. Today, consumers on their mobile phone all the time, on the go, jumping back and forward on the screen, and every time they are on the screen, they're consuming content. content. And someone need to deliver this demand uh, for on the, all the time, always on content experience on mobile. And who's, who's filling this gap? Publishers, brands, marketeers. Yep. Uh, even if you think about native apps as, 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 uh, as uh, um, utilities or, or games, mm-hmm. most of them still content. Again, packaged differently, but piece of content that filling this gap. Absolutely. It's something that we've been covering right along and that you've been such a great source for us. Uh, Modi, and also uh, a, a fantastic guest on our one-on-one podcast. So, thank you very much for joining us today. Hope thank we can do this again soon. Absolutely, I and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to uh, check out DM News for the latest in data strategy and technology. Thanks everyone for listening. Cheers. <laughs>